Good morning, everybody. Welcome to True Life Church, part four. Summer's at summer at the movies. Just one summer. We're not doing them in plural yet. But uh, how's everybody doing? Having a good morning? Yeah. Good morning. Hey, real quick, I'm going to jump into the message, but I just want to remind some of you. A few uh, about two months ago, we made you aware one of our own, uh, Alex Austin, who who many of you saw up here uh, playing keys and singing. His his brothers are up here, and his dad's up here playing this morning, and uh, he's over in Australia trying to raise just a few more dollars uh, for a missions trip over there. And so, just wanted to remind you, you can um, if you'd like to help Alex out. He um, is still trying to get that that trip to Africa paid off and uh, there's a couple ways you could give towards that above and beyond your normal tithes and and uh, and whatever you do you can you can designate to him on an offering envelope just write alex austin missions or or if you give online at our website there's a, a fund designation for him and i think so far we've raised about fifteen hundred dollars and and uh and he needs uh, one more good push to get him over the hump. So pray about that. If Jesus speaks to you and, and you want to help out, um, would you please do that? And um, his mom is sitting right over here, Julie. And, and if you give, she'll cry and um, you can feel good and all kinds of stuff. So um, just want to make you aware of that. All right. So, so many of you are probably familiar with the, the movie that we already started out with a clip of this morning, uh, Pursuit of Happiness. And I'm just going to be honest with you. we got a lot of movie clips to try to illustrate what we're doing today. And uh, I was joking with some of our lead team this week that this series is actually challenging for me because I don't like the, my flow of talking being broken up with the, the movie clips. So just bear with me as we try to get all the clips in. I promise by the end it's all going to come together. It's all going to make sense. But, but if you don't know, man, Pursuit of Happiness is actually, it's the true story of a guy by the name of Chris Gardner who, uh, who ended up becoming a, a pretty wealthy and successful stockbroker. Uh, but as you can tell from the opening clip there, his life started out with a pretty good handful of challenges and adversity. And uh, I just want to dedicate the message today to anybody who might be facing some adversity, facing some challenges, facing some affliction in your life. And uh, I hope that by the end of the day, man, that your hope in, in God to work in your life and see you through the things that you're going through is kind of restored and, and that you can walk out of here with your head held high, believing God for the best, believing God for the future. And, uh, and so, so some things about Chris that they don't even tell you in the movie uh, that you may not know one is that he was a Christ follower. He's a believer still today. He actually will speak in churches and different things. Um, but in his childhood, the, the adversity started before what you see in the movie, which was his adult life. It started way before that. Actually, in his childhood, Chris was abused, uh, physically abused, verbally abused. Uh, he came from poverty, a family that had nothing or next to nothing. And like a lot of people, if you ever hear Chris talk, he talks about how he thought once he got to adult life that everything would finally come together and he'd be able to be all that he wanted to be and do everything that he was supposed to do. And he got to adult life and found out that that wasn't any better. And in some cases, it was actually worse. And, and I just wonder how many of us this morning that that might be where you're at. Like you're sitting in this place in life and you, uh, if you evaluate where you're at, it just doesn't look anything like what you thought it would be. For some of us, that's good. We're actually w- way ahead, maybe you're way ahead, or, or things are better than, the, I, like I look at my wife and I think, this is better than I thought it would be, it's pretty awesome, but uh, for some of us, some of us, maybe you're looking at life right now today, I've been in those seasons, man, where you're kind of just looking around and taking account, and it's not what you thought it would be, it's not as much fun, it's not as easy as what you expected, and so Chris's world is falling apart, and then in this series of kind of odd events, um, 
I think it was I think it was probably a God thing. God has a tendency to work things out like this. Chris has this dream revealed to him about what he could do with his life and and uh, begins to put in process these steps to get there and I want you to check it out. You ever uh, you ever found yourself asking that kind of question, looking around at, at everybody else around you and it feels like feels like life is working out for everybody but you? Feels like everything's making sense for everybody but you. Seems like everybody's happy. Everybody's smiling around you. And you wonder, why couldn't it be like that for me? You ever, you ever look back at some of the dreams you had when you were maybe younger or earlier in life before some adversity hit, before some affliction visited your life and, and thought, what, where did it all go wrong? Why didn't it turn out the way that I thought it would? And that's what Chris was asking there. Maybe your question is different this morning. Maybe you're asking something like, why, why does my life feel so empty? Why can't I seem to find any kind of hope or any kind of fulfillment? It just feels like no matter what I do, every relationship I move through, every, every friendship I move through, every job I move through, I've still come out at the end of the day feeling like something's missing, like there's this emptiness on the inside of me. Some of us are sitting here today and you, you actually feel trapped in the situation that life has brought to you. And, and so the question for you is, is there any way out? Is there any escape from my life the way that it looks today? And you would take almost any escape that, that would present itself to you. And if you're there right now, and you're sitting there asking those kind of questions, I want to encourage you to do what Chris did in his life story and what, what many of us have done. And that's, that's make a decision to go ahead and, and trust God and find the dream, find the vision that, that He has planned out for your life and, and make a choice to go ahead and just pursue it and step out in faith and do something that, that maybe seems a little bit crazy that maybe doesn't seem to make sense. And, and you know, I had to do that. I remember... Uh, Coming out of high school, I knew that God had called me into ministry, and, and I knew that God had given me a pretty specific path to get there, but, but it, it, it didn't look like tradition, and some parents don't get mad at me, this is just, this is my story, you, you tell your kids to do whatever you want, but for me, I knew it wasn't to go to a traditional college or a traditional four-year university, in fact, everything I saw in the Bible about how ministers were trained up to lead the local church in the New Testament, it all happened in the local church, and so I didn't understand this idea of going off to a four-year college, uh, and, and being separate from a local church to learn how to lead a local church just didn't make sense to me. And so I, I joined up a program called Master's Commission where I took college courses and spent two years in a local church learning how to do ministry. But, but I remember knowing that God had told me to go that direction and just like butting heads with my, my family and my parents and and I needed God, man, to step in and do something because there was no way I was going to get there or pay for it on my own. And, uh, and I just took this leap of faith and I started filling out the applications and, and making the arrangements to get there. And, uh, and I'll never forget one day after literally laying on my bedroom floor, face down, crying out to God, God, you got to make this work somehow. I know this is what you told me to do. And I just finished praying and, and heard someone come up the steps. It was my mom knocked on the door. She walked in and she said, I, I, I just feel like God's told me that, that that is what you're supposed to do. And, and uh, whatever it takes, whatever we have to do to help you get there, we're going to help you get there. Come on, how many know that's a miracle for a heart to be changed that way? And, uh, and, and so I, I'm going to share some more stuff with you later about just adversity. Because I think far too many of us allow the adversity and the challenges in our lives 
to, to paralyze us, to cripple us from pursuing the dreams that God has for our lives. Some of us are so focused on the afflictions, so focused on the suffering, so focused on the, on the issues that, that we can't even see far enough ahead of us to take a step of faith and trust God to pull us out of it. And so I'm going to share some of that with you in just a second. But I want to encourage you. You know what Chris did? You saw the sign on the door that they were accepting applicants for an internship he went ahead and applied, and he knew that they were only going to take 20. 20 applicants would be accepted for an internship. So he decided to pursue his dream. He decided, like they say in baseball, he decided to swing for the fence. Everybody knows what that means, right? That means you just every ball that gets pitched at you, you swing as hard as you can, man. You try to make everything a home run. Of course, if you're like me or Brian Schaefer, everything's a home run anyway. But Amen. Thank you. Thank you. It's not true. I stink at baseball. All right. So swing for the fence, man. And so he got the application, decided to apply for this job as a, to, to learn how to become a stockbroker. And like so many people, how many of you have, have had that moment where it feels like, okay, I'm on the right path. I've taken a step forward. Things are falling in place. It feels like I finally got some favor. Things are working. And then out of nowhere, boom. You take two steps backwards, and life, all of a sudden, what seemed like something you should be celebrating, life is going off the rails, and you're, you're taking two steps back. Chris has decided to move forward, just apply for the job, and that's when he experienced the most adversity, the most affliction that he'd ever experienced in his life. I'm going to ask you right now, we're just going to have a moment in the middle of the message. This isn't the altar call, this isn't the end, but I want to ask you to close your eyes for a second. Don't get confused and miss your bag of popcorn reaching for another bite. Just, just close your eyes for a quick second. I just want to, I want to ask you this question. Maybe, you've, maybe you feel that way right now. Maybe you're in a, a desperate situation. Maybe, maybe life is not adding up, not making sense for you today. And I just want to read this one piece of scripture to you with your eyes closed. Just, the only reason I'm having you close your eyes is so you can just concentrate and focus on what I'm about to read to you. It comes from the book of Isaiah. If you come to church here long enough, you're going to hear lots of Isaiah because I love the book of Isaiah. It's chapter 30, verse 19. And it just says, How gracious the Lord will be when you cry for help. As soon as He hears, He'll answer you. And you can open your eyes. Just wanted to encourage some people with that scripture today. I hope, if nothing else, if you're in a desperate situation, if life is, is not adding up, not making sense for you, that at the end of today, you would at, at the very least know that you can cry to a God who loves you for help, and the scripture promises that He'll answer you. And that's the good news. Now, what I'm about to share with you may not feel like good news when I read it, but I promise you that it is. The good news is if you cry for help, God will hear your cry and He will answer you. But we can't just read part of the scripture. We can't just read part of the chapter. We've got to read the next one. And in verse 20 it says this, Isaiah thirty twenty. Although the Lord will give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction. Well, that sounds awesome. Your teachers will be hidden no more with your own eyes. You'll see them. So, so I want you to pay careful attention to what's happening in this scripture. Cry for help. God will hear you. As soon as you cry out, He will answer you. Although the Lord will give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction. 
Your teachers will be in no more with your own eyes. You'll see them. So, so pay attention to what God's Word says. The Bible is saying clearly that, that even as hard as it is for us to understand, that there are actually times when God answers our cries for help with adversity. With a challenge. There are actually times when, when, when God is sitting up in heaven looking at us and we're crying out, God, I need you to help me figure this out. I need direction for my life. And he actually kind of sits back and, and, and you know what? We, you do it with your kids if you're a parent. I've done it with my daughter. How many times have you sat back and watched your kids and you know they're about to do something that isn't going to turn out great, but it's not dangerous. It's not going to hurt them. And maybe the best way for them to learn the lesson is just to let it happen, right? And so you just kind of sit back and you go, I've done it with my daughter. Sarah, you sure you want to do that? Yeah. Okay. And I will let her deal with a little bit of adversity because I know by letting her walk through that, she's going to learn that. In fact, I have a great example for you. There was a time a couple months ago we had invited uh, Sydney, Joel, and, and Janelle's daughter over our house to play on a Sunday afternoon. And uh, we had told our daughter lots of different times, hey, she's got this, this little play area where all of her plastic toys are and stuff. And, and she's got this dollhouse furniture and all this stuff. And, and uh, she actually um, was kind of playing, getting carried away. And we always tell her, don't leave that stuff out on the floor when you're done playing with it pick it up because something's going to happen one day and sure enough I'm, I was sitting in our living room and I heard this you know just the worst shriek the worst scream I've ever heard and, and she had actually fallen and kind of poked herself with one of the one of the little plastic pieces cut herself a little bit scared her really bad um, wasn't the, the most severe scared us a little bit too wasn't the worst injury in the world but but uh, guess what doesn't get left out and if there is stuff on the floor guess who isn't running <laughs> in that playroom anymore. It's my little girl. And it's not because we taught her or punished her. It's because sometimes adversity actually helps us figure things out. And so the Bible actually says that there are times when God will bring some adversity, let some affliction visit our lives because it's good for us. There's, there's something that God is trying to teach us. And, uh, and so God will answer our prayer with the bread of adversity and the water of affliction. And as much as we don't like to hear that and we don't like to experience that, and that, that doesn't sound fun, God is actually using... Listen, some of you who are going through a challenging season in your life right now, I want to encourage you just in your heart to have some hope and have an understanding that, that there's a very good chance, there's a very, very good likelihood that God is actually... Uh, crafting a div- divine purpose and a divine plan that, that as you travel through this season of adversity, as you travel through this affliction, that when you come out from the other side of it, you're going to kind of look back and go, oh, okay, I see what you were doing there, God. And I know, you say, Michael, that's easy for you to say. You don't, you don't, know, you don't know how difficult... I, you're right, I might not, but I know that Jesus does. And I, I probably actually have a, a pretty good idea, and I'll, I'll share it with you in a minute. But, but, but Jesus does. Even if I don't, Jesus does, because He suffered more than any of us could, could possibly imagine. Now listen to this. Verse 30, or chapter 30, verse 21. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, you will hear the voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. Now, now the first time I read that scripture, I thought, I, I picture myself like traveling through my Christian life. And God's behind me saying, to the left, son. Okay. To the right. All right. 
And I just picture like this great, you know, godly spiritual thing. But you know what I actually think might be happening there? Because remember, in context, we're talking about moving through adversity. We're moving through affliction. And God loves us with a fatherly love. You know, there are times I've had to try to get my, my, my kid to, to do some things that, that she wasn't all that comfortable with, like, like going into the basement when it's dark and she's scared of it. And, and so I'm saying, it's all right, go. And I'm standing behind her. I'm saying, it's all right. Go ahead. Nothing's going to happen. I'm right here behind you. Can I just tell you, I think there's times like that in our lives where it's not that God's standing behind us going, okay, now turn right and walk 400. No. I think it's actually that we come to these places of of adversity and affliction in our lives and we look to the left and we go, I don't want to do that. And we look to the right and we go, I don't want to do that. And so then we look behind us and we're like, hey God, you know what I think God is actually doing here in this scripture? I think what's actually happening for us is He's going, it's alright. To the left, to the right, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to guide you. You're going to hear my voice. Come on, isn't that good news for somebody this morning? That God is, is He's a Father who loves us, standing behind us, helping guide us in the places that we go. And it's interesting the picture that God gives us in this scripture that He cho- chooses to use. Anytime you read the book of Isaiah... Isaiah is full of symbolism and, and poem. And so when you see these words like bread of adversity and water of affliction, it's actually important to figure out what those words mean and what's going on there. And so I spent a little time trying to figure that out. Because I thought it was interesting that, that God cho- chose to use this word picture, bread of adversity, water of affliction. That makes me never want to eat bread or drink water again. And here's, here's, what, here's what's actually happening with those words in the original Hebrew. The bread of adversity, the water of affliction, the bread is actually uh, symbolic. It represents nourishment or sustenance or the ability to fill you with what you need. How many of you want to be full of what you need? I do. All right, and then the word water actually means either to cleanse you or to quench thirst. So, so think about this. Figure this out. Isaiah is actually saying, hey, there are times in our lives where God's very best plan for us means eating some adversity. It means that He's actually nourishing us. He's actually filling us up by allowing us to walk through a difficult situation. Why aren't anybody amening that? <laughs> They're all like, oh, great. Adversity. I can't wait. Awesome. But if you're in the middle of it, that should give you hope, man. That God's actually doing something in you and for you while you're walking through a tough situation. The, the, the water of affliction, that when we're afflicted with things, when we're dealing with things. Can I give you a, a great example of this? My, my, my dad, now this is, a, this is kind of an extreme example. My dad was afflicted, like in a serious way. I will never forget, it was a Wednesday night in Orlando, Florida. We had just finished up a youth service. 800 teenagers running around, and I was out in the parking lot. My cell phone rings. It's my mom. My stepmom had called her. Hey, your dad, he had a heart attack. It's bad. You need to come home. My dad had 
had a lot of issues during the, 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 the last season of his life, though. God just totally redeemed my relationship with him in a, in a beautiful way. And we became close. We became friends. Um, my dad became the most selfless, giving, caring person I had ever seen in my entire life during the last season of his life. But it all started when he walked into an emergency room saying he just didn't feel right and code blued and hit the floor. And I mean the full deal, the shock paddles. He had, you know, just massive burn scars from the shock paddles. They were in a small regional hospital, too windy to put him in a helicopter, loaded him in an ambulance, drove him an hour west to Kansas City uh, to, to the, one of the best heart hospitals in the Midwest, open heart surgery. And, uh, and, and um, man, the, the doctors did an incredible job. They gave us, gave us another five years to spend with my dad. And uh, lots of other health issues, but we wouldn't have had those five years and all of that. And, and so, like smoking and, and eating healthy and all of these changes that really needed to happen didn't happen until some affliction took place in, in his life. And so, you know, in, in this weird way, this, that affliction ended up bringing out the best version of my dad that I, that I ever got to see. And thank God that those last five years left me with a sweet memory. Uh, and that's the way I remember my dad, is the way he was during those last five years and our relationship together. Come on, sometimes there's some affliction that needs to happen in our lives to kind of snap us back to reality and make us make the choices and the decisions we need to make to live our lives in a way that's healthy and honoring to God. Are you with me this morning? All right, good. I'm glad y'all are awake. So both are good for you. And as much as we don't want affliction and we don't want adversity, when God gives us those things, it's because He sees something that we cannot see. Something that's actually good for us. And, and, and so here's what I want to do. I want to give you four things that will happen to you when you walk through seasons of adversity and affliction. And these are four things that God can develop in us when we're going through it. And, and so the first one is this. It's unwavering perseverance. Unwavering perseverance. Some of us this morning, we need to leave with an unwavering perseverance. An ability to keep our head up. Trust God and walk through a season of suffering, walk through a season of adversity, and do it well, and honor God with it. You know, our, our culture teaches us that if you're going through a season of adversity, don't go to God with it, go to Facebook. And man, I'm just telling you, if you're a Christ follower and you attend True Life Church, I am lowering the boom today. Let's not use social media to glorify our problems, our issues, how bad our day was, how rough our... You know what? On your worst day, that ought to be the day you're typing with exclamation points. So thankful that God gave me breath today. I had a job to do. I got a paycheck. Jesus loves me. My sins are forgiven. Come on, let's glorify the things that ought to be glorified with our lives, not all the issues that are going on. Going on. We need unwavering perseverance. When other people try to, how many have ever had somebody try to talk you out of your dreams? You know, we had some people try to talk us out of planting a church. Aren't, aren't you glad that that didn't work out? <laughs> some of you are like, eh. <laughs> I'm glad because I'm having fun. I don't know if you are, but I am. People will try to talk you out of your God given dreams. Some people will try to invent affliction adversity for you before you've even walked through it yet. Well, you know what's going to happen. I had this lady, it was really funny. Well-meaning lady, but one of the churches I spoke at before we got ready to plant the church. And, and she was trying to help me, she was trying to protect me, but 
she said, uh, she walked up to me, she said, so you're going to be near a college campus? I said, yes, I am. She said, well, you do, know, you do know, young pastor, what there are lots of on college campuses. I said, bars, restaurants, textbooks. She said, pretty girls. So you better watch it. <laughs> she said, that might not be the place for you to plant a church. <laughs> Have you seen me? <laughs> there is nothing to worry about, lady. I mean, we're fine. I'm, and my, I'm very happily married. And, but you know, people will try to, they'll try to invent adversity for you before adversity's even hit. Before it's even shown up. Try to talk you out of your dreams. Try to talk you out of your plans. And I want to tell you, don't let it happen. Chris Gardner didn't. Check it out. Chris must have been wearing some pretty decent pants because he ended up getting hired for the internship. And, uh, you know, I think that's just such a great picture of perseverance. And, and, and I want you to see something in Scripture because perseverance is actually important to God. It's in James chapter 1, verses 2-4. through four. It says, Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work. So there's actually a work, there's a process going on when we're persevering through, through things. So that, you guys have heard me say a million times, when we see the words, especially in the New Testament, so that, then usually the Apostle Paul's about to say something pretty important. I think a lot of times we read this scripture and we go, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. All right, good. I got I to gotta stay positive when I'm facing trials. And, and you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. But we miss what I think is probably the most important part of the scripture. And it's the last sentence. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. How many of us want to be complete I mean, do you want to be a whole person? Then we've actually got to learn how when challenges come into our lives, we've got to go from being people who reject that, who try to run away from it, who, who try to push it out of our lives, to being people that go, okay, I'm going to persevere through this. And it's going to be fun to tell the story of what God did when I get to the other side of it. Because what that does is it actually creates maturity. It creates spiritual maturity in us. And it makes us complete as people. Now here's what I think is happening in our culture. God just, well I was studying this last night. I feel like God said this to me. I think in our culture, because we're such a culture that runs from adversity and runs from perseverance. If perseverance creates maturity and completes us, then the opposite must also be true. And so when we're people who shift blame and refuse to take personal responsibility for anything, when we're people who walk away from adversity, who walk away from perseverance, I think it actually creates, creates immaturity and makes us into incomplete people. And there's far too many of us who are walking through life incomplete, immature, because we don't have the guts to look in the mirror and say, it starts right here with me, and I'm going to trust God, and I'm going to walk in faith, and I'm going to be everything that He's called me to be, and I'm not going to give up or walk out or blame somebody else when it doesn't work out the way I thought it would. So as Chris taught his son to never give up on following his dreams, he started to apply those principles to his own life. And he got the internship. In fact, it was after being arrested for the parking tickets that he got that job. That was the good news. The bad news was Chris didn't even know this. The internship didn't pay a dime. Didn't pay anything. 
The internship was just an opportunity to be in that business and learn the business. And when he learned that something else about, he, that's when he learned something else about the bread of adversity and the water of affliction. Not only can it give us unwavering perseverance, but it can create an inspiration within us to do whatever it takes. Man, true life, I'm telling you, God has called us to be whatever it takes people. When he puts a dream in our hearts, when he puts a dream in our lives, we've got to be willing to do whatever it takes. That's why we're meeting in this movie theater, because we were convinced that there was a building somewhere that was going to let us have church. And we talked on the phone to everybody you can imagine, school principals and other movie theaters. And we were just convinced that God called us to plant a church here, and we weren't going to rest until we found the building, and we persevered through it. And all of us that sit in this room today, we're products of that. Do whatever it takes. Get inspired. Galatians 6.9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, everybody say proper time. Guess who decides the proper time? Not you. Jesus. We don't get to pick it. He does. At the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You see how anecdotal this is to our culture? Our culture says reap now. Give me what I want now. Why do so many people in their 20s and 30s have... Forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars of debt that they don't know how to handle, that they don't know how to pay off. I speak from experience. I've walked through that adversity. Nobody taught us how to handle money the right way. The the the, the first early years of our lives. So we had to walk through some adversity and some affliction to figure out how to do it the right way. Why are so many people so disgusted with their life and they've given up on their dreams? It's because they thought they were going to get to reap right now. And sometimes we don't get to reap immediately. We reap at the proper time. As valuable as persevering can be, as important as it is to do whatever it takes, those two mindsets alone are never enough. And that's why God uses the bread of adversity and the water of affliction to show us another important principle. And it's this, adversity and affliction will lead you to rely on God. Listen, I have learned that if I rely on myself, I will mess it up. I will make a mistake. I don't want to be in control of my own life because if I'm controlling my own life, mistakes are imminent. Suffering is imminent. So I want to rely on God with everything that I do, every choice that I make. The Apostle Paul faced some incredible adversity. He talks about it in 2 Corinthians. He says, We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, our hearts in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. In other words, Paul's saying, We thought we were going to die, and it was so bad, we were pretty much okay with that. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. But God wants to teach you when you're going through a season of adversity, when you're going through a season of suffering, to rely on Him, not on yourself. And maybe that's where you are today, right now. Afraid, desperate, broken. And I want to encourage you, instead of running from God, realize today that you need to run to God. So he got the internship, but no pay forced him into a homeless lifestyle. And if you know Chris's story, if you've seen the movie, if you've heard him talk, you you know that church scene is actually important because he actually began to let his burdens go and and uh, and allow God to be a part of the process. 
And when you cry out for help, God will hear you. He will answer. It just might not always be the answer that we want or in the timing but we want. But we, we have to believe that God knows best. Remember that when we go through the bread of adversity and the water of, of affliction, God is doing a deeper work in our lives than just what we see on the surface. And God is building in us an unwavering perseverance. He's inspiring us to do whatever it takes. He's leading us to learn how to completely rely on Him and in brokenness, let Him work in our lives. And then this last benefit, the last thing that God will create in our lives when we go through adversity is that God will come through for you. Did you hear what I said? God will come through for you. It may not be in the timing that we want. may not look the way we originally thought it would look. But church, we got to be people who trust God. And we, we just understand that we're just going to trust Him and believe that eventually He comes through for us. He comes through on our behalf. You'll see the goodness of God in your life. You might be facing adversity and affliction right now, but I'm telling you that this service was dedicated to you. It was for you. And God wanted you to be here today. He wanted you to hear these, these words. He wanted you to see these clips so that He could create some hope in you. And He wants us to surrender completely to Him. Experience His goodness. Experience His blessing in our lives. And I'm going to tell you something. You can have turmoil going on on the outside and have happiness on the inside because you learn how to trust God. You learn how to persevere. You're inspired to do whatever it takes. You're relying completely on Him and you know at your core that God is going to come through for you and eventually you're going to have a day like this. You can clap for that. I heard a couple of you starting to pipe it up. Come on, don't you want to have a day like that someday? you just close your eyes with me for a second you know I, I said I'd share some stuff with you you know Jesus experienced the ultimate adversity the Bible says he was rejected by men acquainted with sorrows hated by many now sometimes it's easy to sit in a church service and listen to somebody talk and you know, a lot of times we just think things like yeah but you don't know my story you don't know how bad it is for me and that all sounds good and that's great and I got goosebumps but you just don't understand Michael how messed up it is for me but, but I actually think maybe I do in fact as I was laying in bed last night I started just kind of made, making a mental list of some of the adversity that has been in my life and in my wife's and in our family and I don't know if I'll remember everything. I just tried to throw together a list mentally of just some of the things that have happened in our families. And there's multiple divorces and multiple remarriages and our parents and there's anxiety and there's depression and there's been physical abuse and there's been sexual abuse and there's been verbal abuse and in my bloodline there's alcoholism and drug abuse and poverty and homosexuality and pornography and learning disorders and mental disorders in fact I think you could probably just about put everything on the list that should keep someone from becoming anything in their life and I can probably find it in my family history. 
But here I stand, living out the dreams and the purposes and the calling of God on my life with no excuses, with no labels. My past is not my personality. My past has not determined my future. It hasn't even determined my present. God determines that. And He determines it for you too. And so I know you're thinking, oh, okay, so yeah, you got, a, you, you got some sad stuff. You had a sad story, but now you just turned out to be perfect, right? No. <laughs> no, man, I'm a mess, but I am being perfected by a God who loves me. And He wants to do the same work in you. And it all starts with surrendering it all to Him having a relationship with Him. And there's some of us in the room today that you've never done that. You've never given your life to Christ. You've never surrendered it all to Him. You've never surrendered the adversity to Him. And so I just want to start there because that's the starting point. You've got to know Jesus for Him to take you through any of that. So with every eye closed, nobody looking around right now, if you say, hey Michael, that's me. I need to surrender my life to Jesus Christ and begin a relationship with Him today. Right now is the moment. I don't want you to think. I don't want you to wait. I just want you to hold your hand up real quick. It's between you, me, and Jesus. I see it. Anyone else? I see it. Hold it up quickly. I see it. Awesome. Good job. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Be proud of it. You're about to step into the biggest family in the universe. It's the family of God. going to say a prayer together and I want all of us to repeat it together. This is our way of welcoming you into the family of God. You've made a good decision this morning. Jesus Christ is going to come into your heart and from today everything changes. Maybe not overnight. You may not even feel anything right now. But I'm telling you, you have the favor of a loving God who has a perfect plan and a perfect destiny in mind for you. And if you follow him, he'll lead you to it. So just repeat this prayer after me as loud as you can say, "Dear Jesus, Thank you for loving me, for bringing me here today to find you. I surrender my life. I give you my heart. I repent of who I was. And from this day forward, want to be a new person in you. Come into my heart. Live in me. Work through me. Change me from the inside out. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus, you died for me and you rose from the grave. And from this day on, you are Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church. We ought to be as excited as we are about anything.